podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Welcome to episode one of the Danny Boyle Retrospective Podcast. It's a spin-off of our weekly Geeks podcast, which goes up every Tuesday. Um, in this retrospective, we'll be going through every single Danny Boyle film for six weeks. Uh, we'll have two podcasts up every week on Wednesdays and on Saturdays, leading up to the US release of Trainspotting 2, also known as T2, not to be confused with T2. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. <laughs> That's what people call T2. I find it, it's a bit confusing marketing, this whole mm. T2 um, aspect of Trainspotting. Because it's not even called T2 colon Trainspotting 2, it's called T2 colon Trainspotting, which mm. alludes to T in the T2 standing for something other than Trainspotting. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe it does, maybe it's a twist. Who knows? We shall find out. Who knows? Um, I'm your host, Al White, and joining me today for this retrospective special... Go say uh, your name. Rukabe? <laughs> And Allison Holland. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm actually really excited about this retrospective. So, previous retrospectives, and they're running concurrently right now on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, We're in the middle of the Friday the 13th retrospective, uh, and we're doing. We're going to have constant horror ones, but every now and then I want to perforate them with something a bit different. And we have Friday the 13th. Number of suits going to be next. Halloween, I think, is going to be after that. Um. But I'm excited to do some director ones. Probably won't get as many listeners. Because <laughs> horror retrospectives get a lot more. But I'm ex- it's, it's, it's nice to look at a director's entire oeuvre. Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was really funny. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, I'm particularly a director like Danny Boyle, who we were talking about him the other day. Um, I think he's kind of like a David Bowie in terms of, I may not like everything he does or I may not love everything he does, but I respect almost everything he's done. Mm. And he's always sort of darting from genre to genre. You know, he's like trying different things out. He's very brave, but there's like a good thread through them all. Right. To my memory, but it's been a while. So I think the first thing we should do to get people acquainted with us is say where we're at in terms of Danny Boyle. Like who's completely new to him, who's a fan, who's not a fan, blah, blah, blah. So Allison. If I'm correct. One with the least. <laughs> How many Danny Boyle films have you seen? One. Well, now two. Now two. Before okay. this one. Okay. And what was that one? Slumdog Millionaire. Okay. Do you remember liking that film at the time? I do. I saw it with my mom. And I actually think it may have been her second time seeing it. Oh, wow. Yep. Cool. Um, were you, are you kind of culturally aware of him around that? Or is he just... No. Okay. Not necessarily. Oh, it's valid. It's one of those interesting things. Like in England, he's such a big deal mm. because he's mm-hmm. one of our definite standard bearers for for films but um yeah in america no I, I really don't know how most people know his name anyway they might know his movies yeah mm. um okay so that's cool so you're gonna kind of be our new uh, like fresh perspective on, mm. on his entire um and what the fuck is the word i'm looking for <laughs> uh, compendium on his entire back catalog of yeah his filmography mm. i guess there filmography. you go um, Haruka. Yes. What are you to this? Um, well, I used to say he's my very favorite film director of all times. Your favorite. Um, but having said that, I haven't seen that many of his films, I suppose. <laughs> Shall um, we run through very quickly which ones we're covering? Just so we can like, okay. so you can say if you've seen them or not. Uh, so just to be clear, we're not doing his TV movies. He started with four TV movies. 
Uh, he then went into some TV shows, and then he actually did two TV movies, which we will talk about briefly. I have bought them, but I'm not going to include them in this. Um, and he did them sort of when he was at his most famous, I think, really, or right in his stride, um, which I find is interesting. Mm. But we're not covering them. Or so the we're Olympics. doing... Or the Olympics. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out. Yes, you're welcome. He also did a theater version of yeah. Frankenstein, yeah. which was filmed, apparently, but I haven't seen that. Right. So we're just doing his cinematic film releases which is shallow grave train spotting a life less ordinary the beach 28 days later millions sunshine slumdog millionaire 127 hours trance steve jobs and t2 so how many of those have you seen um more than half, more than half but okay. not all of them and you and you've loved most of his um i kind of have this like love hate relationship with his work where like I love them, but kind of like hate them at the same time. But overall, I kind of appreciate his work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, okay. So yeah, it's um, mixed bag. For him to be, yeah, like in contender, at least for one of your favorite film directors. Yeah, yeah, like The ones you yeah. love, you must really, really love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm interested with is going back to um, so many of these. I have some, many of these I've only seen once. And then the ones I've seen many times were so long ago now. And they were a part of my like teenage years. So it's kind of, really weird to go back to them now um and kind of yeah get a new fresh perspective and judge him more fairly um so the way we're gonna do this is i'm gonna we're gonna like recap and you guys can help me fill in the gaps because i don't make comprehensive notes but we're gonna recap at the beginning of each podcast the synopsis of the movie what happens obviously as the announcement said at the beginning of this show there are spoilers throughout so if you haven't seen these films and you intend to i would suggest watching them first um and then we'll go through it kind of in, in order of what happens in the film and dissect it a little bit more and see what we like and what we don't like. And then at the end of each podcast, we'll say if we recommend it to people, if we don't. Um, and we're going to kind of be, I guess, judging these movies against, yeah, their genre. like Because there's sci-fi here, there's horror here, there's noir, there's just comedy. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of everything, which is, which is refreshing. Yep. Um, all right. Let's go from the top then. Shallow Grave was made in 1994. Hang on, here we go. 1994. Four. Yeah. Um, I remember actually when this first came out, in because uh, he, he likes to bring out his films in January quite often. Huh. And it's the best months. Ma- it's the best, best months. Month. Month. Sorry. Month. <laughs> <laughs> Point well made. We're doing um, well with what So you're right today. here. <laughs> here on IMDb, it says it was made in 1994. But it was because it was shown in Australia at the tail end of that. It was, yeah, the rest of the world got it at the beginning of 95, um, throughout mm, to the end. Right. So it came out, yeah, 6th of January in the UK in 95. And that was when I first saw it. And I remember walking by uh, the cinema, I think it was the art cinema in Cambridge, and seeing posters up. And all they said was the, the first great film of 95. Which, considering mm. it was the 6th of January, I was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not hard to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's intriguing, I was f- about to be 15. So I was right at that point where you're ready to, you know, well, I was, some people do it younger, but I was at the point where I was ready to watch some darker films, a bit bloodier. Um, and yeah, this this was, this was quite, a, I mean, this was a hugely critically acclaimed film at the time. Mm. It was seen as like a real barnstorming, is that the phrase? Barnstorming debut, like a, like a true sort of talent stamp from a new director. Right. Um, and I don't think Ewan McGregor was really known at the time either, no, I was don't he? Think so. so it stars Kerry Fox, Christopher Eccleston, uh, Ewan McGregor, Ken Stott, Keith Allen, and Colin McCready. Is there anyone else of note? Peter Marlon. 
Um, and it was written by John Hodge, who I just saw down here was also in the film. That's DC Mitchell. Oh. Oh, excellent. Which one was that? Was that the... No, that was the, yeah, the up-and-coming deputy, wasn't it? So that was the writer of the film. Interesting. Huh. Um, and obviously, yeah, directed by Danny Boyle. So let's go through the synopsis. This is where my brain gets sticky. <laughs> so you have three housemates living in a flat in Scotland in Edinburgh. I believe it's Edinburgh, isn't it? They I never so. say, but no. it definitely looks yeah. like Edinburgh to me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Juliet, David, and Alex. Uh, sorry, Juliet's played by Kerry uh, Fox. David Stevens is played by Christopher Eccleston. And Alex Law is played by Ewan McGregor. Um, David is a... Uh, does he work in law? I think he, he... Yeah, he works in... No, no. Accounting. 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 Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he works in accounting. Uh, Juliet... Is a doctor? Is a doctor. Yeah. But we never really... Well, we see her in one scene, don't she, we, I guess. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's more in a doc- the hospital a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, and she's more of a doctor, for, I think, for narrative sake right. than for anything else. <laughs> yeah. um, and Alex... He works in an office, but I'm not sure what... Kind well, of he's a he's a. We only find out later on he's a journalist. Oh yeah. right, yes, of course, right, right. But they don't reveal that for a long time in the yeah. film, which I found very strange. I just presumed he was a student lying around doing I nothing. I thought I missed something when they said you're going to cover this story, and I was like, did I not pay attention <laughs> earlier? And they talked about this. Or um, so the film opens with them um, trying to find a new housemate for their flat. Uh, they're interviewing different people, and that was what the actual trailer was, was just them interviewing the different people. Mm. <laughs> so it really sold it as kind of a comedy. Yeah. Um, they uh, find a guy who is called Hugo, um, who moves into their apartment, seems a little bit suspicious. I think it's an undetermined amount of time, but I think it's only like one or two nights that he's there, isn't he? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then uh, find his dead body in his room, and underneath uh, his mattress is a suitcase full of money, um, also, not said how much, but I'm guessing around a million or something, because there's a few references to a million mm. pounds in the film. Um, they, after, uh, sorry, I'm stumbling already. Uh, <laughs> David, um, the sensible uh, accountant, um, is yeah wants to basically find the police and report it and get rid of the money. The other two are pushing him, particularly Alex is pushing him to mm-hmm. dispose of the body and keep the money, uh, which eventually they convince him to do. They have to take the body out to the woods. They have to cut it into lots of little pieces and then take out his teeth and incinerate. Is it the hands and the feet they incinerate, I think, because of yep. the mm-hmm. fingerprints or toenails or some shit. Um, and then bury the body. David kind of suffers a bit of a mental breakdown during this. He keeps saying that he can't do it, he can't do it, he can't do it. They eventually pull straws for who's going to do this. He pulls the short straw, of course, and has to do mm-hmm. it. But then I think Alex helps him out in the one shot we get of this, don't we? It's kind of dark. And he, I think he he was digging the grave for sure. Mm. Alex was digging so, the grave, yeah. wasn't he? Okay. I think he David was digging was, it while David was, David was cutting out the body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after this, of course, it's you know it's a fairly old film trope, uh, sort of unsettled. Uh, David becomes a little bit unhinged from what he's done. Uh, he eventually takes the money, puts it up in the attic, and then retreats up there to live. Um, Juliet and Alex become closer, kind of through this process. Um, there's a couple of gangsters, I guess, <laughs> who we have yeah. cutscenes of throughout the film, who are searching for the money and killing people on their way. Uh, they have and oh yeah and then um, there's a break-in downstairs which mm-hmm. I could never figure out I remember even when I first saw this film if it's actually connected or purely coincidental yeah I never know mm. uh, but we'll get into that later um, there's a break-in downstairs which brings the police to their apartments so they're interviewed they seem suspicious the detective is clearly a little bit piqued by this um, 
then the two gangsters turn up at their house. David, who's now become feral almost, <laughs> uh, kills them with very little remorse. They bury those two bodies as well. Uh, they're then found... Does he do it alone? That's not yeah. really is it... shown, is it? No. Because you see the blood, or like it goes, you have like the red screen when he's burying them. Mm-hmm. No, because he's driving with Alex. There's a scene of him driving with uh, Alex out right. there. Okay. So I think at least Alex helps him. Okay. Right. Um, and then, yeah, the bodies are found fairly shortly after that uh, by... What is it? It's found. How are they found? Fuck, I've forgotten mm. detail. <laughs> well, someone found, found yeah, them. The, the, yeah, there's like an exhibition or something and the, the bodies are like are found and they're in two shallow graves, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, David has to cover the... Yeah. Alex has to. Oh, Alex, sorry. Yeah. yeah Alex, Alex sorry. Yeah, Alex is. A, we're really fumbling for this. <laughs> <laughs> we literally just finished watching this movie. Um, Alex is assigned, and this is where we revealed Alex is a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is assigned the job um, to cover the story. He turns up at the press briefing. Of course, the same detective is there, sees him leave awkwardly, um, comes back for more interviews with them about the bodies. Clearly make, implies that the detective knows that they're somehow involved. They all start to panic. Um, Juliet then decides that she's going to <laughs> get romantically inclined with David and you're yeah. not really sure what her intentions are. But at this point, you're not really sure who's trusting who, who's working with who, who's got backhand deals already going on. Um, and then all culminates in David deciding he's got to uh, run away with the money. You're not sure if he's going to get rid of it. You're not sure if he's going to keep it. Uh, Juliet says that she, he forgot to take her with him. Um, and you're not sure really what his intentions are at this point, but we'll definitely yeah. get to that later on. Um, he then shows her that there's a plane ticket which she had bought to run away by herself, so he doesn't trust her anymore. Alex was trying to call the detective, presumably to own up to everything and maybe blame it on the others. Mm-hmm. They all confront each other. There's a big knife fight between everybody. Uh, David, who now is definitely just a cold-blooded killer, <laughs> stabs his friend um, Juliet, then stabs David through the neck. Um, who dies immediately. Alex, however, is left sort of dying on the floor and Juliet just sort of whacks the knife maliciously into him more, which is poking into his shoulder. (laughs) Yeah. So you're kind of like, well, he's not going to die from that probably. Um, Yeah. So it seems a strange thing to do. He's still able to talk. and Yeah, he's able to communicate very easily. He's left just sort of pinned to (laughs) the the floor. Yeah, through the wood underneath him. Yeah. Um. She then runs away with a smirk on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, it's revealed that when she opens the suitcase at the airport, it's all of the money has been replaced with the press cuttings from Alex's uh, newspaper um, on the killings. And then Alex is left lying on the floor. The detective, <laughs> well, <laughs> new, other journalists taking photos of him. Um, the detective looking down on him. <laughs> In a, it's a really odd scene yeah. <laughs> just completely unempathetic detective looking down at a bleeding out Alex on the floor uh, he starts laughing the blood drips through the floorboards and we see all of the money is stashed between the floorboards underneath him um, and that's it the end and credits so let's go right back to the beginning shall we so this is Danny Boyle's first film it kicks off uh, with these high like sped up film of you sort of driving through edinburgh to mm-hmm. find the apartment yep. and that's intercut with slow footage of the woods yes. where they end up digging the shallow graves yep. um 
really really bold opening whether you mm-hmm. like it or not mm. um and it has uh his what, what he did i think better in train spotting but that kind of techno foot on floor thumpy dance music mm-hmm. um there's a really strange juxtaposition of music i find in this film which i'm definitely going to keep come back to you have the songs which all seem to be classic and very cool mm-hmm. and you know like like nina simone sort of style mm. and then you have two types of score one which is this which is like yeah dance track urban sort of very 90s <laughs> and then you have the other type which is the actual score 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 for the film some of which is awful <laughs> and some of which sounds like john carpenter kind of thing right which is yes kind of cool. yeah. um but yeah we come in straight on this with a lot of adrenaline and a lot of energy um do you guys like the did you yeah yeah, I mean, like I think from the get-go, like, you can I like, tell that it had yeah. a lot of character and style and, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really liked the opening sequence. Um, excuse me. You just throw it <laughs> off in the corner. <laughs> my, my throat is still being funny. Um, yeah, I really liked the quick editing and the, like, the fast clips of the driving in the street and the cars and with the slow ones. Um, and then that following that with all the interviews and you and just like riding a bike behind the yeah. potential people that they were interviewing mm. it like gives it a very different vibe than where i thought it was going at all right oh, from the intro yeah. yeah yeah which is cool that that was the trailer just because that would have been the vibe i got seeing the trailer before watching the movie mm-hmm. so yeah i think it is interesting because yeah the intro is definitely dark like aggressive Mm -hmm, something nasty is going to happen which is kind of cool because you need to implant that i don't i don't like sped up film so i do have a problem with that but it's definitely you know bold um and then yeah going into the interviews which i love like i love the interviews Mm -hmm. i love like the editing of it i think it's really smart the music choices are smart it's really funny and the only thing i find weird that i remember the first time watching this as a teenager i had no problem with them as characters this time Mm -hmm. i'm like you're all horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> they're just ripping apart these poor people <laughs> sitting there on their couch trying to like get the get the flat True. Um, and obviously it's men to like get you on board with this is the dynamic of this group mm-hmm. and you know enjoying their company kind of thing yeah which it did for me but it also made me not like them very much <laughs> right um and then yeah and also i just i'm not and this is something that I still feel to the end of the movie. I'm not clear on the relationship between the three of them. Yeah. Mm. Like at the right, right at the beginning, you're just like, okay, they're just three flatmates. But then there's this weird like friction at points between some of them. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe there's just some sexual tension. But then David later, after the first, um, well, not killing, after the first burial, um, he just suddenly snaps at that guy when they're at that mm. ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and calls her his girlfriend. Yeah. Which is like, is he just saying that for the scene, you know, to like mm-hmm. make a point to this guy? Or is it actually meant to be his girlfriend? And I missed that the entire time. Or did it used to be boyfriend and girlfriend? And you can really like after you can really read the film in all of those different ways. Yeah. Of like, have they had a relationship before? Are they sort of in one now, but it's not going very well? Because he is kind of jealous of her relationship with Alex a mm-hmm. lot. And there's definitely that dynamic between them of like everyone's a little bit jealous of each other and then she kind of plays them against each other a lot. Yeah. But I couldn't tell. Could you guys tell what was going on? I had just assumed it was sexual tension and that he said it just before that scene when the guy asked her to dance. Okay. Mm, Yeah. I I don't, I mean, yeah, it's still unclear of what their relationship was prior to when we enter their lives. So maybe they, something had happened one night in the past and he was still hung up on it or he was just doing it for the scene. 
but yeah. I just assumed it was tension. I didn't think they had necessarily had a relationship in the past. Because okay. then later in that same night, Alex and Juliet clearly have sexual tension mm-hmm. dancing on the dance floor, and she puts her foot on his mouth mm. and she like bites her leg. He like licks right. her fucking leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she lets him like look up her skirt and stuff like yeah. that. Definitely like, yeah. Hmm. Which is then just, again, I don't want to skip too far later in the film, but I'm just interested at this point because, yeah, there's stuff later on in the film that implies that David has a thing for her. And mm-hmm. I really don't get that for the first half of the film. Yeah. He seems very just like business minded, isn't right. yeah. thinking about girls or sex or anything. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it's her and Alex have some sort of brotherly, sisterly, incestual kind of thing going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Because um, there's that scene at the kind of early on where. Um, I think Juliet's in the bathroom and oh, yeah. is it Alex who like he's reading her mail yeah yeah and then yeah. she like um grabs the mail topless yeah and there's no like oh she's naked yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no there's it, all, does, so it's, it's it doesn't like, seem like anything no, weird to them no yeah they, they seem like very comfortable like yeah it's just like a power play it's like yeah this can time. happen well I think like it's a thing of like she wouldn't always do it but yeah it's not like unheard of kind of thing it's just yeah. used when she needs to like yeah she's about to take a shower and he's reading yeah. A letter yeah. to her that's yeah. person. Exactly. She didn't even lock the door or like yeah. it was half a jar anyway and stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, didn't appreciate in the opening credits <laughs> that the guy what's his name, Cameron, who they keep teasing the throughout the film, the redhead, mm, yeah. has his little forbidden planet bag next to <laughs> 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 I was like, sure, let's Aww. all just tease the comic book readers, shall we? Fine. Um but it does tell us so much about the characters. I find it's a really smart script way to kind of give us information about the characters mm. without really knowing much about them but you know what they're like as people and how they interact and their dynamic which is cool um i actually think it's a very good script overall i think mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of smart dialogue decisions mm. oh yeah um yeah and then then they're playing squash which i only written down in my notes <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen anyone play squash before in a movie. <laughs> i don't think i even know what that is you know what squash is no what they're playing so when you're in like ah. a little you're in a little room <laughs> and you play it's like handball but with with sort of elongated smaller tennis rackets ah and it's quite painful if you get hit by it because yeah. you're up mm. close to the wall oh my gosh there's another name for it because we used to there was there's this rec center at, on ut's campus and people would play i can't remember the name of it but it's not called squash <laughs> excellent that's a good story yep that's yeah. it um Okay. Uh, um, yeah, there's also I've uh, so half almost half of my notes are actually quotes from the film because I really like them. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of my favorites with is uh, so there's continuous phone calls to the house, which I really like as a device in the film as well, just to add some back history to things. And um, Juliet has clearly a past boyfriend mm-hmm. that didn't work out for whatever mm. reasons, and he just keeps ringing up all the way through the Brian, film. Brian, I think. Is it Ryan? Um, and there's one line I can't remember. Is it in reference to him? I think it's in reference. No, it's in reference to someone else. Where someone rings up, and the line is, "He sounded Swedish, but maybe it's just the emotion." Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I thought was a fucking great line. Yeah, that was Alex's line. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, I really wasn't a fan of the um the the cheesy ATM POV. You oh, suddenly yeah. get. Do you remember that? So it's the first yeah. introduction of the gangsters. Of Hugo and two guys and i thought it might be a joke to begin with because like this looks really really bad mm. <laughs> it was such a strange and I, I i thought it was also a flashback because you see it's when hugo's still alive mm-hmm. and it goes from him to it 
and I thought it was a flashback to Hugo for a second. I was like, oh, is it something he's done? Is it how he's yeah, got this money? Yeah, that's what I thought too. But no, it's his gangsters on their way, I guess. To or is it not? I so mm. it comes right after David asks him, "Have you ever killed anybody?" And it yes. immediately cuts to that. So I assumed it was him and two but other guys. I couldn't guys really see yeah. Hugo in that. I was like looking at. Is he one of them? It's hard to tell their faces, and it's weird yeah. because it's early on in the film, so mm. you're not necessarily recognizing them immediately. Yeah. But I just assumed it was yeah. him and the two guys. Yeah. Killing oh, the guy yeah. for money. That was the impression I got as well, because it goes from. Oh, have you ever killed anyone? And then it cuts, cuts to, to the that. ATM scene, and then it cuts to Hugo going, nope. Nope. <laughs> so. yeah. But it just seems... So is that just... My problem with that is that is it just meant to imply, okay, he's part of that group of gangsters, and mm-hmm. this, they've done a whole bunch of stuff, and he's stolen an accumulative amount of money from them? Because when you have a briefcase full of million dollars, you tend to think that's like a one-off steal thing yeah. that's happened. There was one thing that... Yeah, like one thing that you got that money from. So my problem with that seems like ATM that would not have happened from an ATM. Like it seems like such a strange example to give of his life of crime. Yeah, is oh yeah, he killed someone for ATM cash. (laughs) Like really? I think the maximum you could get out in those days was two hundred pounds or something. (laughs) It's it's not really worth murder. I don't think on anyone scale. That kind of felt weird to me, but. Mm. Um, you guys enjoying the movie though up until this point? It's starting to introduce like the more thrillery aspects of it, the crime. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, no, it's, it's, you do I not thought, sound convincing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was a fun way of introducing the film and the style of it. Blah blah. Um, I did find that ATM scene quite jarring as well because it was because it's such an overdone <laughs> thing nowadays. These mm-hmm. like POV yeah. shots of you know whatever. But I guess in 94 95 whenever it was made it was still quite yeah edgy and stylish yeah so. it did feel quite like the beginning of um yeah i kept looking out for kind of danny boyle's tropes sort of thing and that is yeah not that kind of pov shot necessarily but putting the camera in strange places mm-hmm. is kind of a good trope of his and um even if i didn't like how what then aesthetically now it's kind of yeah cool to see him starting even his first film to try some weird stuff mm-hmm because there's not that many strange shots really in this film. It's quite conventional. Mm. There's like, um, he uses, you know, slides quite a lot, which he gets way more aggressive with in his later films mm-hmm. um, for punctuation kind of thing, like pulling in quick on things. He yes. uses handheld right. sort of tracking as well, which is right. to get, you know, violence and energy into stuff. Um, yeah. But he's not that, I don't think he's yeah, quite found his voice yeah. yet. No, I think it was very clear from the beginning that he was trying to explore these different styles with like, the use of colors and mm-hmm. the use of set design and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they're flat, especially. Yeah. It's all red and green. Yeah. Like everything's red and green. Yeah. And then and suddenly the it goes turquoise like yeah. later on. Exactly. Um, and the flat yeah. kind of reminded me of like Friends from the get-go, yeah. which I'm sure was intentional because like, you it know, was 95, yeah, that was the exact Friends yeah. era. Yeah. Probably like the, the pitch line he used for the film was like, it's like friends, but it all goes wrong. Yeah. Except I mean, I really could. kill people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine friends, but if they kill people. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's, that probably, that's, very, that's a really good point, actually. Like, I, I do remember at the time, that was probably subconsciously a good appeal. Like, everyone was crazy, crazy into friends. And mm. then you see the trailer of, oh, it's a bunch of flatmates, and it looks funny. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, there's murder as well. This mm-hmm. looks, you know, looks fun. Um, yeah, I just have written down here in my notes, red and green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd, I'd originally started counting how many times I saw those colors, but too much. Lots. Um, really bad sound recording. Yeah, mm. I wrote that down too, especially during the fight sequences. It was <laughs> yeah. just like, 
Yeah. Really like echoey. Sounds that shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. No ADR. It's like when they're talking downstairs, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, that's just you know indie films at the time. I don't think it's really. Yeah. 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 It's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another great line actually, which came right at this point, which is Juliet, you're a doctor. You kill people every day. So do you find <laughs> the um? Because I mean, the story is actually pretty simple. Like it really is. Like mm-hmm. it's just a guy turns up. He he does kill himself. Is that what we're meant to believe, or was he poisoned? Or? It's never clear. They say, yeah. like Alex asks, "How do you think he did it?" And then it's never really cleared up, addressed again. Yeah. After I don't really get why he would kill himself. Well, they didn't they find a bunch of like needles and stuff in yeah. his drawer. Oh yeah, so I thought that was like he OD or something. Oh, he yeah. just OD'd. He didn't really look like that kind of character, did he? He, he looked didn't. very. Put, well put together. But then he didn't look like the kind of guy who would mug an atm or yeah no whatever so. yeah i find his character unconvincing yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. um i also find well actually you're two ladies you can tell me if i'm wrong i find her <laughs> immediate attraction to him a little bit unconvincing yeah mm-hmm. i did too yeah i was like oh these guys are gonna sleep together <laughs> the second she was interviewing him yeah mm-hmm. which i guess is just he's very confident i guess like mm. and i guess she hangs out with alex all day so yeah. <laughs> being around that immaturity you kind right. of want some confidence at some point a mysterious man suddenly appears on your doorstep Wearing black. exactly mm. but yeah it's sense to be like he turns up he dies however he dies they find the money they mm-hmm. hide the money two more people die and then they don't trust each other and they get caught and everyone else dies that's literally i mean not <laughs> but nothing else really happens in the movie no. which is a good choice i think for a first-time director yeah to really boil things down keep it very simple and just work on sort of nailing the tension and mm. the scenes. Um, da, 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 what else have I got in here? The return of Cameron was fun uh, later on when they get to that bull. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, they punctuate that scene by like teasing Cameron again because he's there as a waiter. Yeah, and he then, gets his payback. Yeah, just him <laughs> with his mates. <laughs> I thought that was a very Scottish thing to do. Yeah, I wasn't sure why it was such a Scottish heavy film because i yeah. thought you know oh maybe daniel ball's scottish but he's not is he i think not. he's from um manchester or something. is he daniel ball was born in manchester yeah well done huh. yeah but he's always had affinity for scotland yeah. maybe he just maybe he grew up there though. like oh. maybe he was born in manchester and then maybe he just really likes scotland because who doesn't that is true particularly edinburgh edinburgh's mm. great and well yeah north of scotland yeah most of scotland's pretty good most of <laughs> the wilderness is amazing um da, 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 da. yeah i like some of the edit points of this uh, of this as well like when the two gangsters are uh, tracking them down um there's some cool like scene transitions like the weird mm. baby troll thing yeah, that's crawling yeah. and then it falls off the step and then it cuts to them it makes <laughs> the stone falling into the lake yeah. um yeah, I, li- I like the uh, when they spend all of their money, the stuff they choose to spend their money on. You see in the background, there's like yeah, a weird baby doll. There's a Game Boy. Yep. <laughs> it's just yep. very strange choices. <laughs> um, so my big thing with this movie is it all hinges on Christopher Eccleston's David role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's the central character. Yep. Like he's the first person we see on screen. Starts with his bit of um, his voiceover, mm-hmm. which I actually think is really cool voiceover right at the beginning. It's got like a good provocative, sinister sort of tone to it. Mm. And then he rounds it out again at the end with what the message is, which is, mm. <laughs> I think the last line was, is, um, 
like I believe in friends, but when you can't trust each other, what then? It's something. It's like an iteration yeah, yeah. of that. Um, which isn't really a message. It's like, it's like I what like then? I like friends, but what if you can? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that is the problem. It just sort of poses a question, I guess. Kill them, I guess, is the message of the film. Yep. Or just don't go into house share to begin with. Yep. Oh, spoken like someone who knows not to go oh, into yeah. house share. Yep. Yep. Bad idea. <laughs> don't do it. But yeah, it's a, do you believe? I can see you guys here have quite a lot of notes written down. So like, I want to know any of them about David. Do you believe this journey that David goes on? Because he goes from not meek, but very conservative. Yeah. Very like he has a few wild bits with them to show their friendship, but he's very button up collar. Goes to work, keeps his head down by the numbers. You know, wants to report it to police. Has real trouble being involved with chopping up the body. To then immediately just being cut off completely dead inside and that quickly escalates to him yeah just living in the loft and and drilling holes and through the loft to like watch them and stuff um and then yeah and then just killing people like like when these two people turn up to the apartment alex gives up the information immediately of where the Mm -hmm. money is Mm. and david immediately gets ready with his hammer just to kill them yep does this feel right to you with the character do you are you on board um well i think the overall journey is believable and quite possible if you know like if someone's like bottled up and something we tips them over the edge and you know it drives them like cuckoo blah blah blah. i'm not sure if they've in the film it's been told in a very believable way um but yeah i I think they draw attention to it when he because he's the one who had to cut off the hands and the feet right which Mm -hmm. for sure would just grew anybody mm. up. although alex doesn't really seem to care alex seems well like, that's why i'll do it you're... but if you're not going to then we have to play fair and we're gonna draw straws that's why i think you're right in that alex dug the grave and david yeah. did all of the mm. cutting yeah. because yeah i think which the line you're about to when say they're talking about it he's like you didn't cut off his hands and feet mm. yeah which is a great yeah line and yeah. that's when they're mm. having dinner isn't it or whatever and He's mm-hmm. saying, like, you've, you've been different or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he didn't cut off his fucking feet. Yeah. I just love how, um, you know, the dorkiest character in the film is now considered to be the most fashionable one. You yeah. know, with his, like, tortoiseshell, sh- tortoiseshell glasses. Oh, and, that's true. Uh, yeah. You know. That is true. Yeah. So, yeah. How the table has turned. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice, though, like, yeah, just looking a little to the future with Danny Boyle films. It was the first time I'm already starting to see some repetition in what he likes to talk about which oh, yeah. is broken psyches yep and definitely people looking for fun but then the consequences of fun because mm. he seemed like and i'm gonna be interested now thinking about that moving forward but there's quite a few of his films now just thinking about them. it's like yeah there's a lot of focus on people who are just out to have a good time and then yep. the consequences of that and how dire that can yep. be which is interesting because he's he doesn't write his films does he no i don't so know I if wonder he's any of his films because yeah, most of his films are by Alex Garland. Yep. And yeah, The Beach is based on his novel and stuff. So it's not like they developed the script for um, Danny Boyle. Yeah. Necessarily. So it's interesting that a lot of his films do deal with the, with same, the same things. Yeah. You know, I guess he, stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess he must have just picked stuff that that was, yeah, speaking to him. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, once you get someone like Alex Garland on board, I'm sure they had conversations mm. about what they like to deal with. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, he was one of the writers of 127 Hours, but other than that, he's mm. never written his own stuff. Right. Um, 
Yeah, which I do. I don't know. It's nice when you see those threads in a director of like, and you wonder if they even notice well, how long it takes them to notice of, oh, this is what I'm interested in mm. and story I want to tell over and over again. Yeah. Albeit in different genres. Um, yeah, I'm. I struggle with the David role. Like, I kind of. I, I actually really like the actor. Um, and I like. It's, I mean, it's hard to think about it because it's kind of just contrived now. I don't can't remember if it was contrived at the time or not, but now it's so there's so many films that do this kind of thing of, you know, money basically and greed and turning to murder from a, basically a bunch of innocents at the beginning of the film right? and how that destroys, you know, a dynamic and friendships and blah, blah, blah. And someone who's it's always like the most innocent person who goes most off the deep end and becomes crazy kind of thing. And the person you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the film gives me enough actions for me to believe it, like I think you were saying. But I don't know if I really believe it from the character's point mm. of view. I don't like. There's a lot of cliffs that he jumps off of. Yeah, and he's such a stereotype that you can It's kind of hard to like empathize with him. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. He's like an accountant who's dressed really conservatively, and yeah. you know, don't really learn anything about him apart from those. You know, stereotypes. So. Yeah, well, you only get that one, sh- well, not one shot, one small scene, which is meant to show him, like, so before, when he's saying, like, no, 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 we can't cut up a body, we can't cut a body. And then you get one scene of him at work looking across, like, the room, and there's just people doing boring accounting things. Yeah. And I really like that scene because it's not, like, normally in a film, it would be really, someone would be saying something really dumb and really boring for you to, like, roll your eyes out. Okay, we get <laughs> it. It's really, but it's not. It's actually just, nothing much is happening no mm. one's saying anything stupid they're all just doing their thing they look perfectly fine with it but you can see in him that's him realizing this isn't what i want mm. and i want the opportunity for something else and i like that scene but that's kind of the only real peek behind the curtain of him that we get yeah. before he turns crazy um and i'm completely fine with that i think it works with film but yeah that was just it, for me it's particularly just when he kills those two guys it's like i really yeah. don't know <laughs> like he's so worried the whole time about like he's dead inside and worried about the money i don't know that murder would be his solution to it. i think mm. i feel he'll think of something smarter or yeah. you know um yeah have kept the money offside or done something i don't know um and then by the end of the film which yeah we'll get to fairly shortly like i just yeah where he ends up i don't understand his intentions he's taking the money he's leaving the apartment and then juliet comes out to stop him and he's we've already been shown well he seems to fall in love with her we don't know if he's always been in love with her or not i'm confused with that information he finds the plane ticket clearly which then lets him know something's wrong or not something's wrong that she's yeah could be tricking him and then he seems to like he doesn't plan to let her come along and she's the one who interjects so he's like he was just gonna go yeah but then she interjects mm. and then he makes his whole point like he's got his whole speech planned it's like well you were mm. gonna go so when were you gonna do this speech you had your ticket ready and everything like for the speech and then he jumps to murdering his friend like pretty quickly and you think mm. he's gonna have a moment of remorse and he doesn't he actually reaches for a second knife instead yeah and i just don't really buy it <laughs> i don't know i don't see like mm. Particularly, like, since all the annoying things Alex does, he does at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. before the violence starts. For the second half of the film, Alex is pretty placid. 
Yeah. I'm pretty respectful of mm. how crazy David's going. You can see, like, if he kept pushing at him, then David might be pushed to, like, murdering him. But he's yeah. not. He's actually pretty, like, docile. Leaves him mm. alone. And he doesn't even... I don't think... Unless he's meant to have definitely put together, he was finding the detective. But I didn't get that, necessarily. Mm. Well... Wasn't Alex making a phone call? Like he was trying to call the detective yeah. when... But I just can't figure out if David... I mean, David says, who are you trying to call this time at night? But then he still is leaving. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't seem that bothered with it. Right. I don't know. I was just, it was a little bit messy for me. Mm. How they kind of tie the ending in with stuff. Mm. It's sort of like, well, we need a, a punch down. And then it's pretty... Some of the punch down is pretty funny. And I don't know if it's meant to be funny or not. <laughs> yeah. When they're like slamming the head in the fridge door and stuff. Yeah. And there's a point when they're just like fumbling on the floor. And it's it's really, yeah, strange. And the yeah. music's really bad in that section. Yeah. Well. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, but we we have um, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite lines as well, which is from Alex towards the end where he says, I need to die misunderstood. <laughs> which is like this yeah. little throwaway line. But I thought it was really cool. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and the the constable talking to the writer of the film, I guess, saying you can use numbers or letters. <laughs> and then he's like, which, which one, one did you do? I use both, and he just gives him a great look of like, well done, well good job. Done. It's fucking great. Um, yeah, and then uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, there's not much more to talk about unless we go straight to the ending. So, mm-hmm. what notes have I missed? What have you guys got? Um, I can't read my handwriting now. You can't read your handwriting. <laughs> You had the cutest handwriting. Look at that. It's just the little. Very little. <laughs> very cute. In the very beginning when they were pulling straws, because you can, I mean, you, it's clear in the beginning of the film that Alex is just such an asshole. He's just yeah. like a total dick and super immature. Um, but just from assuming that they were, the three of them were really close friends, I was hoping, because when he was holding them, I was like, oh, David's for sure going to pull the short one. Yeah. And then in my head, I was like, no, Alex will step up and say, I know you don't want to do it. I'll do it. When he didn't. <laughs> so then I hated yeah, high him expectations. More. I know. Um, but then it flips again by the end of the film because he obviously David goes crazy and Alex starts. Whether he calls him because he feels guilty and he wants to confess or he's just going to be like, my roommate did it. All of the evidence is in his room. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like he was definitely going to give them over. How quickly yeah. he gave it over to the gangsters, I'm like, yeah, yeah. he's mm-hmm. just looking for That's a way true. out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but you never, you do never really know any of their intentions. You, we are yeah. kept in the dark of what's going on in all three yeah. of their mm-hmm. brains. Like we don't really get that she's intended to fuck them over that much right. and stuff. So it's kind of a surprise at the end when she's, she's that malicious. Yeah. yeah. Which to me was a bit of a problem. It's like I don't mm. really know who I'm rooting for here. Mm-hmm. Which. Yeah, I'm just kind of along for the ride and it's a good fun ride yeah because yeah, he was playing a lot with like the whole flipping thing where like you know Alex was the dickhead at first and then it was David and then at the end she's actually was yeah. The, you know, yeah. the asshole and stuff so and in order for that to work I think you do need to like really root for the characters and yeah. we didn't really get that but yeah. then yeah but was it is it enough then if you're not really if i mean are we all saying we're not really liking one character in particular or are you saying you flip-flopped a bit or i definitely flip-flopped i also had assumed from pretty early on that just like the whole time that the ending was going to be revealed that juliet and david had this plan the whole time to screw alex over and it was all going to be blamed on him Mm -hmm. and then when they started sleeping together i was like oh yeah for sure this is and when they were both leaving Mm. 
I just assumed he was leaving without her because he felt betrayed that he found the ticket. Um, but I thought it was all a part of the show because right. obviously the phone cord was hanging out and they knew he was awake and they knew he was making a call. And so I was just waiting for a big blow up for them to be like, they're on their way for you. Yeah. You know, mm. and just this whole like a proper reveal of. Yeah. There was a master plan. All of along the, for this was a dis the character that was most disliked and you hated him throughout mm. the whole film. And then the good people are actually the bad guys and they right. turned on their friend. Yeah. But instead, yeah. there's quite a bumbling instead ending. Instead, they're yeah. just all really fucked up. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Which is, but the thing is, I'm fine with that. Like, it's, I like that in terms of, yeah, it's way more realistic and it's just kind of fumbled. But A, I don't think it's really, I don't think it's directed or edited or the music isn't good enough in that final section. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the last mm-hmm. few shots are cool, but in the actual end fight, it's just kind of, well, they're just fighting. Yeah. It's not that exciting. Yeah. yeah, the stake didn't feel high enough for us to like, really get on board outcome and stuff yeah so i either need like a really cool fucking ending and like you're saying or yeah i need to be on board with someone yeah. and yeah like i said i was happy to be on the ride but i wasn't i wasn't rooting for anyone and i was a bit mm-hmm. i kept feeling well robbed a little bit of well i'm just starting to figure out this character and then you're telling me something different about them mm. of, of what they're thinking or implying you know what their plan might be like when she did start sleeping with david i had no idea what was going on with them i was like <laughs> i can't you can read so much into this and I don't really know what's going on. And then she's sleeping in the attic with him as well. Yeah. And yeah, his sudden infatuation with her, like watching her through the holes and stuff. Like it's like, was well, this just recent from him watching her? How long has he been watching mm-hmm. her? Because time is very uncertain as yeah. well, mm-hmm. I think, in the film. Um, That's a recurring theme in Danny Ball's film as well. Like crazy person trying to like peep into the <laughs> same people's world. Yep. Which is, yeah. It's very true um anything else we want to touch on we all found a little bit like deflated in some ways about this movie. i don't know if it's just because it's late because it's the one thirty mm. in the morning on this first podcast well it, like to me like shadow grave was always one of those films that i know i've seen before mm-hmm. but i didn't remember too much about it okay and having watched it now i can kind of see it's 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 a decent film mm-hmm. but it's not the most memorable because there's no like memorable memorable characters and there's no like there's not one big set piece or something exactly or, yeah um but it's a great you know debut definitely yeah, strong style and you know visually and in terms of dialogue and everything it's, it's very um it's a very confident film okay i thought so would you i mean if, if we don't have any more notes we can just go into our roundup then on if we recommend the film or not um at the end of the podcast like i say we're going to put these in order of daniel ball like which ones we like most which ones we like least uh we'll have to put 12 films in order which is always fun <laughs> um do you want to score these or do we just want to say if we recommend them or we don't recommend them or like how do you want to do this let's have a committee on this democratic Ooh. so i normally i tend to score everything just because it helps me at the end of the list e- easily be able to put them in order sure if you know what i mean yeah yeah um but I don't know if we always have on our other retrospectives as you give in school. Sometimes we're just like, do we recommend it or not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like we'll probably recommend most of these films. Like, yeah, I don't think yeah. there's anything here that's shit. That's no. horrible. Yeah. It's just down to, is it, you know, how good is it? And what is, you know, is it to your personal taste kind of thing? Like, mm. which ones meant more to you for whatever reasons? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But there's a couple of his films I haven't seen before. And there's one which I've heard is not meant to be very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you want to give scores? Sure. Okay, so we tend to... Um, on the Geeks podcast and on our website, we're Tessellate. We give reviews out of 10. 
but on a 20 point scale so you have point fives basically that's how we tend to do stuff if you want to have a think for a second i'll do my round up on it uh no quarters no (laughs) (laughs) let's not go fucking crazy um so yeah i mean i think if I sound deflated, it's just because I'm I'm not deflated, deflated. Like I enjoyed the film a lot. I remember really liking it when it came out. I've seen it a few times since then, but it's been at least ten years, I think, since I've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was weird how much I remembered because, like I said before, I listened to a lot of scores in my teenage years, and I listened to this score a lot apparently because I knew every single tune <laughs> and the ones I would skip <laughs> on the soundtrack. Um, and a lot of the dialogue, it was weird. I was like, I know that verbatim, and I don't know. This may have been from the times when I would have a cassette tape player hooked up to VHS and you'd record, record the soundtrack from the film so you had dialogue in it. Because that's how fucking dorky I was. <laughs> Fuck you, Bob. <laughs> um, I think it's, as a debut, I think it's great. Like, I really do. I think it's really confident. I think the acting's really great and then the directing of the acting's great. I think, you know, it's it's got solid camera movement throughout. Not much that's exceptional, but you can see a few little tidbits that kind of poke at what he's going to be doing later. Um, I think, and I'll be interested when we do Trainspotting next, because I think the jump is going to be quite a large one. Mm. It's kind of like, um, and I don't think it's as good as Reservoir Dogs, but a jump for Tarantino between Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction. Mm. Not necessarily in quality. Some people prefer Reservoir Dogs, and I completely get that, but just technically Pulp Fiction's so much more going on. Right. And I feel Trainspotting is the jump to this film right in the same way um but yeah it's a very simple story it's kind of coen brothers-esque in some ways mm-hmm. um i like the comedy in it a lot mm-hmm. and i, mm-hmm. I, I think I it's nicely played yep. um the horror in it i'm not as keen on mm. uh the gangsters in particular for me feel like they're off of like you know just a 90s bbc cop right. drama yeah. kind of thing they're not that convincing no the back history with hugo i'm confused about and i, I don't find it convincing either mm-hmm. um but i think it's a good enjoyable film i really do i would recommend it but i wouldn't say people have to rush out and see it um it's a you know a good film to see if you if you enjoyed any more films and you know you want to yeah obviously see sort of, sort of what he built from it's certainly yep. um enjoyable <sighs> i would give it as it stands and I might adjust these scores a little bit when we get to a final roundup. Mm-hmm. I'll probably give it a 6.5 or a 7 yeah. for me. Like when I, The bits I liked I did really, really enjoy. Um, but the bits that confused me kind of turned me off a little bit. What about you guys? Um, I think the same for me, 6.5 to 7. Yeah. Sounds like a, a fair score. I think score. so too. Really? Yeah, I think, yeah. My... I mean, I uh, the comedy. If the comedy weren't in here, I think it would be much lower. Mm. Just yeah, it has right. So much character to each to each of them individually. Right. Especially Alex. Um, I think my biggest problems, which may not have been problems when it came out, were like the sound took me out of every fight because I was just focused on like some sounds being louder than they should have been. But yeah. then like when right. the body would get slammed down, I was like, why wasn't that loud? Mm-hmm. But the other happen. thing was loud. That yeah, doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. So People would like put a briefcase down or something and it wouldn't make a noise, but yeah. then they would mm. touch something else. And and it, yeah, <laughs> it was bizarre. So right. that, I mean, it was little things like that that took me out, but it may have gone unnoticed when it was released. Mm. I don't know. That's yeah. true. I don't That's think true. people were quite, well, maybe it was just how young I was, but I don't yeah. think people were quite that critical. Mm. With the technical aspects of film at that point. Yeah. Yeah. 
I really liked the dialogue and stuff. I thought it was very well written and very bold and, yeah. you know, um, stuff. But like I said before, I don't think they managed to build the stake high enough to be able to call it a thriller. It's kind of, it's mm-hmm. kind of a murky, you know, yeah. kind of, it's a bit of a thriller. It's kind of comic. It's, yeah, it's hard to like define where it belongs. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, Again, I think this is like time a bit as well because like we right. yeah, we we watched Fight Club last night and it mm-hmm. feels I remember yeah that coming out like we we're talking about feeling concussive and mm. it was like a fucking you felt like you've been punched in the face right, when you came right. out of the movie. I think that Pulp Fiction and Akira were the only films that came out with like a headache that you liked to have because right. they just rattled you so much. Right, right. And now it feels not I wouldn't say polite, but it feels way easier to watch. Right. And Charlotte Grave, yeah, I remember at the time, it definitely was a thriller, for right, sure. Right, right. It was like a black comedy. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, this is Because yeah. I guess nowadays we're very used to having the protagonist being the antagonist as well. Whereas probably back then it wasn't as common a, a yeah. device. So I guess it was more, it felt very bre- groundbreaking then. I think um, if we spent more time with David, though, that would be valid. But I don't think we spent mm. enough time with him. Yeah. Like, I... F- it's hard. I don't know because I can get it needs to be an ensemble, mm-hmm. but I feel I'd be on board with it more if it was from just one of their perspectives. But then you can't right. play the card of well, who's gonna fuck over who yeah, kind of right, thing. Right. Um, but for that to work, you've got to be a ton of fun for that kind of <laughs> constantly trying to pull the rug out from under us. And I feel mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, Alice, you need like that great reveal at the end of oh, someone did have a plan, yeah, and they mm-hmm. had, like figured out this cool thing. And you sort of get that with you and McGregor and him cutting up the newspaper clippings and yeah. taking mm-hmm. the money over because yeah that was great yeah right because i kept I thinking well, why is he ripping those pages out and i thought is it just meant to be oh because he can't look at it yeah. like he doesn't mm. want to deal with what they've done i thought he was gonna plaster them on david's room since he was staying <laughs> oh, in the lab right. <laughs> yeah i liked when the detectives are kind of at there and they're like there's and, and you and Alec, you and mcgregor's being like oh they have nothing to tie to them they're not yeah other than the hundreds of newspapers that you're sitting on the floor apart. of your bedroom <laughs> with the fucking three bodies the headline on it it's ridiculous <laughs> um okay so we're all pretty much on the same page yeah which yeah. is both reassure, reassuring and disappointing at the same time <laughs> i was hoping for a good argument that's what i hope for with these podcasts is like someone loves something and someone really doesn't um so we're all kind of recommending it but with a little bit of a yeah like not wholeheartedly yeah, enthusiastic. yeah if yeah. it's on the telly then yeah yeah like watch you'll it, be entertained throughout yeah. it yep for sure um all right so that's the end of our first Danny Boyle retrospective Ooh. podcast we will be back um when are we putting these up wednesdays and thir- and saturdays, saturdays i said <laughs> thank you thank you thank you um so we'll be back on saturday with train spotting which came out two years later um, also starring Ewan McGregor, who I think we're going to see a few times. He's in the yep. film mm. after that as well. Right. Um, please follow our podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to it. Just go on iTunes. It's probably where you found us to begin with. Type in We Are Geeks. We Are Geeks and we'll pop right up. You can subscribe to this and you'll also get our weekly show about video games and movies and news and stuff like that. All topical stuff. And uh, yeah, you'll get our horror franchise stuff. If you don't like any of it, uh, all right uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can just ignore it it'll pop up in your feed don't download that one don't listen to it whatever cherry pick what you want uh, but at the moment we're putting it all in the same subscribed feed I'm afraid mm-hmm. please leave reviews please leave a little star rating it does help us out and more than that just please share it if you do like this podcast it, it helps us out and more people who listen to us um, because we do this for free we are a 
production company called We Are Tessellate with two S's, two L's. Run out of LA, run out of Tokyo, run out of London. We make movies and music and um, video games at some point. We were meant to be doing that and that got away from us for a few months. <laughs> well, we need to get back on that. Um, and we have our first feature film coming out uh, soon. We're just in post-production on that called Starfish. And if you're interested in that stuff, head over to YouTube. Um, type in We Are Tessellate. And you can watch our Starfish Diaries and we're going to have a new one up catching up with uh, yeah, what happened and how horrible it is to make an indie <laughs> film. And why I uh, really should be saying Shallow Grave is fucking phenomenal because it was a director's <laughs> debut. And I have so much respect right now for just a coherent film <laughs> from your debut movie. Um, it's very weird though. Like I was saying, I was saying the other night, I, I like feel like I should... I'm so respectful, like so respectful now of all movies just getting made and feeling, yeah... Yeah, coherent really is the word, like not a mess of mm. that's a good bit, that's a shit bit, that's a good like actually just like a whole a film. But yeah, I'm finding it hard to be wowed by movies right mm. now, which we've been discussing a lot. Maybe that's because you're dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> that's gotta be it. <laughs> that's why we watch something like Shadow Grave. Like, that's not a thriller. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening. You can follow me on all the social medias. I am Mr. Al White. You can follow Allison on you're you're not on Twitter, are you? I have a twitter i don't think i've used it since okay. high school can people see your instagrams yes i am ali sue ali is two l's and a y sue is s-u-e very exciting and haruka <laughs> um i can't remember what my handles are, are i think on twitter me? i'm like at haruka abe and probably the same on instagram Wow, said with such enthusiasm yeah. <laughs> i'm looking you up right now i was about to say i can actually pull it up now because we're in wi-fi <laughs> I'm checking it out. So on Twitter, you are indeed at Haruka Abe. Um, well done. So there you go. <laughs> Follow Haruka on there for fascinating tweets. Like. Oh boy. Here we go. Oh boy. Oh, your new full-length showreel. No, no, no. That's old. That's coming okay, very, very soon. That's old. It's from January the 11th. Yeah, it's old. Oh, it's not that old. Coming very, very soon. But in the meantime, here's my showreel. So here we go. What else you got? Fun little fascia film I shot last year. Which yeah, one's that? talk about work mainly. It's pretty boring. Oh, Your Instagram is different. Is it? Yeah, it's ruka.haruka. Ah, ruka.haruka. There you go. There we go. I like that Al and I are reading out your... <laughs> That's what we're going to do now. There's some nice politics Follow in here Haruka as well. here. Lots of politics that you tweet out. Oh, that's not I good. appreciate it. <laughs> so if you want to disagree with Haruka's politics, go to Haruka Abe, <laughs> A-B-E, yep. on Twitter yep. and let her know that you disagree. All right, we'll be back. On Saturday, and we're out. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's going to be our new, our new sign out. Just bye. 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 <laughs> How loud do you get? How loud do I get? I can get as loud as you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want you like that. Just always. And move your head Just like always. this all the whole time. <laughs> this is how I felt. I can get as loud. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They can't they can't see it. It's fine. <laughs>